0: from the STEM Global Action Studios in New Orleans. This is the Let's Talk STEM with SGA's Dr. Calvin Mackey podcast. STEM Global Action is a national leader in creating STEM-based learning activities and delivering them virtually and in communities around the globe to students grades K through 12.
1: Hello and welcome to STEM Global Action. We're very excited to bring you another informative conversation today about STEM education and careers and highlight some of the key leaders in the field. I'm Ken Sane, your moderator. Today, we're gonna speak with an amazing woman who has changed the scope of STEM education. Before we get into that, let's introduce our host, Dr. Calvin Mackey, the president and CEO of STEM Global Action. Hello, Dr. Mackey.
2: Hey, Brother Ken, it's good to be here, man. I am so excited. We got the great Dr. Collada Berry on here today. So I'm just going to say, let's go. Let's get this thing going. (laughs) Dr.
1: Berry, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So Dr. Berry, among other things, you are an experienced engineer and educator, and you've been committed to seeing more young people of color get involved in STEM education and careers. Tell us about how you came to love math and science and when did you know you could have a career in engineering?
0: Well, interestingly enough, I was a late bloomer, um, so I always loved math and science. So I wanted to be a high school math teacher and my mom was a kindergarten teacher for 30 years. And when I was in high school, I was recruited to a program called En-ROADS and it was to professionally develop um, students to do internships for companies. My internship was at Ford Motor Company in my sophomore year, I had a career coach um, say, why don't you consider engineering? This was many moons ago, no internet. So the question was, what is an engineer? I thought it was a trained conductor. So I walked to the local library, looked up engineer and said, ah, that looks okay. Not quite sure though. So I got a math degree from Spelman and an engineering degree from Georgia Tech because I wanted to make sure that I had something to fall back on in case the engineering didn't work out. Dr.
2: Barry, you said you went to Spelman and you went to Georgia Tech. I mean, yeah. I like, that's a that's a whole lot of school. Now that's something called a dual degree program, that's and I right. know a little a little something about. It. I still think I'm banned at Spelman. Uh, they took my ID my senior <laughs> year, so I don't even try to go on campus yet. But uh, t- talk about that talk about that experience, right? Because I believe the person you have become in terms of the professor that you are, uh, yeah. that journey had a lot to do with it. Also,
0: it absolutely did. I. I was a pretty shy kid in high school, and I like to say that Spellman made me into the woman that I am today. And the way that Spellman groomed me allowed me to be successful at Georgia Tech when I hit multiple roadblocks from the time I arrived on campus until the time I graduated. And I like to tell people if there was no Spellman, there would have been no Carlotta graduating from Georgia Tech because I had to have something to hold on to when I was one of the only Black people and women in my engineering classes. And unlike at Spelman, I had professors who did not know my name, did not seem to acknowledge me, and did not really seem to support whether I graduated or not. So it was that developmental time at Spelman that allowed me to become the engineer at Georgia Tech. I love the field, but the way I was being taught and the way it was being portrayed to me did not make it welcoming for me, mm. but I, I persisted Nevertheless, I just decided with my 2.5 GPA at Georgia Tech that I'd get my PhD and teach it in a different way anyway. So, I mean, what
2: you just said is so rich, right? Because I'm going somewhere with this. I'm sorry, Ken. I'm going somewhere with this because, you know, you you got me. I was going to ask you what's the difference, you know, in attending Spelman and attending Georgia Tech, and you spoke to it. But like you, you know, I went to Morehouse and I went to Georgia Tech. That's why I was so excited to talk to you because both of us are dual degree graduates. And yeah. if there was not a Morehouse, you know, I, I say I've been born three times in my life, through my mother, through my creator, and through Morehouse College. If there <laughs> wasn't a Morehouse that had, that had given me this birth, right, this confidence, right. I don't know if I would have even made it, you know, the next eight years and three degrees through Georgia Tech. But right. once I became a professor, right, because you, you talked about being a student in high school and in inroads, you talked about Spelman and Georgia Tech. Now, we've had some interesting conversations, and we engaged in a whole lot of movements, about right. what it means and what it feels like to be a Black uh, faculty member in, in an academy, especially in STEM. Can you speak right. to that?
0: Yeah, I and I like to tell people I have done the gambit. I have went to HBCU, I went to a PWI, I've taught at an HBCU, I've taught at a PWI, and no place is perfect. And no matter where I was, I found that, you know, the female students, the minoritized and marginalized students, had a tougher road to hoe, right? And that was the whole reason I got my engineering degree. And that's kind of what sustains me, no matter about the microaggressions, the implicit bias, the presumed incompetence, I stay because I am tired of hearing the same stories that I have to share from my time as an undergrad. And I wanna see those stories change. On this side of the wall, I'm trying to do that because I'm trying to make it better. So I, I tell my students, you're probably never gonna have an engineering professor like me again but there's something unique that I can give to you that others cannot. I've had students, I failed in class, who came back and said, you were my favorite professor because I knew that you cared. And when I begged you to pass me anyway, you was like, no baby, but you can take it over and you can get it, right? So I, I'm trying to be that thing that I didn't have, be the change that I seek in other words.
2: Tell me about your colleagues, right? Because here yeah. you are, you're a professor and yes. you said, I'm gonna be what you never had.
0: Mm-hmm. and.
2: To be what they never had, that means you have to be different than what is and what is present. So how has your colleagues or even the the academy responded to your differentness?
0: Interestingly enough, um, I'm at a small school. It's in Terre Haute, Indiana. It is obviously predominantly male and predominantly white. It actually was an all-male school until about 20 years ago. So I am the only Black woman faculty member on campus. I am also the first Mm. Black woman tenured and promoted to full on campus, but because it's a teaching school and I purposely picked one, most of my colleagues are also really invested in the students and care a lot about the quality of education and teaching. But what I think makes me more unique and stands out is there's a way I connect with the students and a bluntness that I speak with that some students do, I mean other faculty may not. And it's not just to... Black and brown students, but it's to all students. You know, I just tell them straight up, you know, you got to get your act together. Are you trying to get across that finish line or not? Because you need to do it by any means necessary. Because when they are struggling, those are the ones I connect with because that was me. Right. And so I think what makes me different is the way that I am forthright and will talk to the students. You know, I'm, you know, it's the Midwest, so there's a certain kind of social graces, but I'm from the South. And I just, I just shoot it straight. And, my colleagues seem to appreciate it i don't know if they would tell me otherwise but i think it works for the students regardless um i do have a lot of students who said that it's only because of me that they made it to graduation because i was able to have those difficult conversations with them that others may not
2: you said and i want i wanted to get there you like you said you have rose holman that's primarily an education it's an undergraduate yes, yes. institution it is. And I, I was a professor at Tulane for 12 years, which is primarily a research institution.
0: Right.
2: And I never forget it, all of the black and brown kids and many other white kids would line up outside my door. And my colleague asked me one day, What are you telling them in there? And I said, You get in line because you need to hear it too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, this is another thing. Um, I have students who are sent to me, black students. I'm the NASB advisor. And I have students being sent to me, um, black students, female students from civil engineering, chemical engineering, mechanical engineering, and I was like, why are they sending these students over here? I'm the electrical engineering professor, because I have faculty who will say, well, they, they're having a problem, so I'm sending them to the black professor, and what I told them is diversity is important to me, but everybody on this campus needs to be able to speak to every student on this campus no matter what their needs are don't send all the black and brown students to me because guess what no matter what student up at my door no matter what their gender or race is I talk to them and I support them everyone on this campus needs to be able to do that don't send all the black students to me that's not cool because that means you don't care enough to try to figure out what's wrong with them you just like go see Dr. Barry. she'll help you not appropriate so Dr. Barry, with that that's a real
1: challenge so (laughs) it and the challenge is that people don't see black and brown young people as STEM professionals. Right. So what are some ways that you think we can change that perception or normalize the situation where black and brown young people are seen as STEM professionals belonging in that room?
0: I think that the Black and X movement um, that started during the pandemic and during summer 2020 is a big way we're doing that. Through the work of Black in Engineering and Black in Robotics, we're trying to normalize and promote seeing more Black STEM professionals. Black in Robotics does workshops. We have sponsors like Amazon Robotics who give us funds. So these workshops are at either free or a very low price point. Being actively engaged on social media, making YouTube videos, ideally in the future, publishing books, television shows, and movies, so that, you know, when we see a MacGyver on TV, MacGyver could be a black woman, right? So I think that is also important. I'm actually working with a group of colleagues right now, and we're writing a fiction book series about black women engineering PhDs, and it's just about their lives, just so that students can see them as normal. Kids can see them as, hey, you know, they get up and put on shoes one foot at a time, just like we do. But I think we have to do more to get our faces out there so people stop thinking Gilbert and Sheldon when you say the words, engineer.
2: It could be, we can use Captain America. You knew Captain America happened to be a black guy and I kind of know that sucker. And he got vibranium and a red tail
0: rope, you know,
2: robot. So, you know, we we can use that. But again, piggybacking on that, right? And that's good, all right? Put, you know, put it in books, put it on TV. Yeah. But you you said something. You said, I'm the only black woman faculty member on campus. Right. Now, in 12 years, I was the only, I'm the first and only African-American ever tenured in the history of the College of Engineering at Tulane University. I mean, I used to tell people, I used to have black faculty meetings, and I was the president, vice president, janitor. <laughs> I was the treasurer. I'd get up, go get a drink, come back. I'm just, you know, we talking to ourselves. <laughs> you wore every hat. <laughs> I wore every hat, bro.
0: I, Dude, will say I, have this, to- I will say this, though, in, in, in my school's defense, there are five other Black and African and Caribbean faculty. They're just all men. I'm, I'm the only woman. But I also, I have a diversity program I started called Rosebudding Undergraduate Diversity, Rosebud. It's an NSF STEM program. But what I like to tell the administration is I love that we focus on diversifying the, the students and we are doing a better job with that. However, comma, The students are transient the faculty are here and what Mm -hmm. retains those students is seeing faculty who support them we need some role models at the faculty level and at the administrative level you know i don't all of the administrators are typically white males our students want to see you know a woman in leadership we did have a vice president at one point but she's no longer here but you know we have to focus as much on diversifying the administration faculty and staff as we do the students it's just as important or more
2: yeah, now, now Dr. Berry, now let's get real, right? Ken is here because they know me. Ken is like, he's the one that, like, supposed to hold me down. Now, yeah. <laughs> you know, I came out with my PhD in 96. You came out a little bit thereafter.
0: I we've do, been I having
2: do. this conversation about 20 years. Mm-hmm. All right, oh, we've gosh. been having this conversation. My PhD advisor was a black woman, Dr. Carolyn Myers. And yeah, I asked yeah. Dr. Myers.
0: Yeah. yeah um, she, was, she was a president at, um where? Norfolk
2: State and then she was the president at Jackson State. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I met yeah. her one time. Yeah.
2: I still have a stiletto in my back. So uh, <laughs> she, she, uh literally I got a stiletto in my back. But you know, when I was leaving, I said, you know, these issues, these diversity issues, you know. I mean, she she told she used to tell me the story about when she became a professor at Georgia Tech, they didn't have a women's bathroom. And she would have to go oh, like hidden figures, she had to go to another building, right? To go yeah. to the bathroom. And I yeah. said, you know, I'm thinking about making STEM outreach like my career. I said, do you think I can make a living doing STEM outreach? And she said, yes, because you know we haven't solved that problem. I and mean, I've, I've been at it 30 years. So if you let you're, so, you're now so, right. we, so now we're talking about 50 years, right? And the things <sighs> that the things that you're saying, you know, hell, this, the administrators know we're having conversations that have been had 40 years ago. And right. now we have a lot of our friends, right, that have ascended, are ascending
0: to president to, be,
2: to, to, presi- to president, right. to presidents, to provosts, yeah. to deans, yeah. And and and, yeah. and and what should we expect of them?
0: I expect them now that they are in the room to make a change. And I know it's not easy because I know if they if they rock the boat too much, they may be out of that job as quickly as they got it. But I expect to see some change, right? I think they need to be able to speak to some of this. Otherwise, what's the point? And I think you're, you're right, because last year, ASWE, the American Society of Engineering Education, was online, and it made me sick to sit in sessions listening to current Black and Brown grad students talking about their negative experiences and going, man, I've been hearing these stories for 20 years. Enough of this already. But if you're only ascending to the ivory tower top to benefit yourself, you're doing it wrong right? I I like to live by, to who much is given, much is required. If I'm now a provost, vice provost, president, or dean, and I'm just doing it for me, you don't need the job. It's not worth you having. We can't be crying. We need that diversity up there, and we got you up there, and you ain't doing jack for us.
2: That's, you know, and I I remember talking to someone, and they said, well, you know, I wanted to be president, and I got the president. I realized the powers was at the board, and I'm like, oh, Lord. I said, because, you know, they told us, they told us, like, you know maggie calm down and when you get your phd you know you can say what you want then i got my phd they said look maggie shut up now you got to get tenure once you get tenure then you can say what you want then i got tenure they said look now you gotta you gotta do this because we need you as a chair and then once you become chair you can make a difference then i became chair they said no man you gotta be yeah. a dean and when you're the dean that's where the power at now my boys the deans and they say well mac i can't do nothing because you know i'm the dean then they became the provost. I said, look, dog, you used to bring me in when you was a, a, a professor. You used mm-hmm. to bring me in when you was a chair. Now you the, the provost. You can't bring me to the university. Man, I can't bring you in. Now they presidents. And I'm like, oh, Lord, the more I talk to them, the dumber I get. Because they don't realize almost, you know, some maybe yeah. somebody needs to take a pill. Maybe somebody needs to take a bullet for the movement, right? Maybe somebody needs to stand up and say what needs to be said from the president's seat. Because... And
0: then, yeah, and then when we see the change, other people will do it once they see it happen that's why i've always people like do you want to be an administrator now that you're a full professor i don't think i do because i was told when i got to full i could finally do my bucket list items my bucket list list items are black in robotics, so and robotics Nowhere, STEM is educational i'm doing that stuff now am i going to be able to do that if i'm an administrator i don't know well that's
2: part, that's part of the game right they keep taking you from where you can do your most work or your most powerful work yeah under the guise of giving you a title and a position and the title, of the position, tie you down and keep you. I used wow. to sit at Tulane University, and twelve mm-hmm. years I taught fourteen black kids. And I used to oh, see little sure. black kids walk down the street. I used to ask the question, "Why? Why don't they know me?" Yeah. What am I doing here? That's that. That, that gave me the, the whole platform to create STEM global action to increase the voices of people like you and yeah. put more people like you and me and other people out in the ether. So our children, the parents and the larger society can see us and know that we exist.
0: Absolutely. One of my saddest things was I had such a hard time at Georgia Tech and later on I met Gary May and found out Gary May was there the whole time I was at Georgia Tech and I never met him. So I never had a a black professor. No, I take that back. I had one black professor when I was at Georgia Tech. I was in electrical and computer engineering but he was gone after that year. And I'm like, why didn't I know Gary May? You know, a lot of people talk about his guidance and his mentorship helped them get through Georgia Tech. And I'm like, I was on the struggle bus. Why didn't I know him? (laughs) Where there's not one faculty member that everybody's got to go to because that person's going to pull you to the other side. That one Harriet Tubman and we need a whole community. We need a whole Wakanda um, in the community on campus. No, but I, I think it does. It has to happen at that one university where people see that impact is working and then other people will try to model it. Um, Black in engineering has a call to action that my school is currently using to try to make a strategic plan for diversifying um, um, engineering education and to become an anti-racist institution. I just think we gotta see somebody do it right so that everybody else is gonna follow
1: it. It's gotta become
0: more than lip service.
1: So my question, Dr. Barry, is, is, is there a model that's out there? Is someone doing it right? Is someone doing it well that can be highlighted and built upon?
0: I don't know who they are. I'm not saying there's not. I I, yeah. I, I don't have anybody to shout out right now.
2: <laughs> I, I would say no. I would say yeah. absolutely. There, <laughs> there's nothing that exists, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and that is, you know, and, and that is the problem, you know. Yeah. I talked to a lot of my buddies who are now presidents, and I lost tenure. And, uh, and you know, they're still telling kids, you know, you go, you get your PhD, you got a job for life. And I'm like, man, I lost tenure. And Dr. Greg Washington, who's the pr- new president of George Mason, he said, but look what had to happen for you to lose tenure, right? And the blessing, the blessing of me losing tenure, is that now I'm I'm the PhD whisperer. Yeah. I sure. mean, now I can. I can say, I'm free, I can say what I want to say and say it as loud as I want to say, such that they got to respond. I mean, and, yeah. and that's what they need, right? As long as, you know, my mom used to, my, my grandmother told me, she said, baby, if you want a, a buffalo, don't go to a petting zoo. See, as long mm-hmm. as everybody at the petting zoo, right? they, they good, but if you got a mm-hmm. fool out there screaming, like, I'm a real buffalo, come on out here. Yeah. And they can't say, I don't know, right? That's, that's the deal, they can't. Because hear you did it, yeah. you do know yeah you know, i've been there done that bro I got tenure and, right. and 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 the system needs to change and it needs to change here is the truth and you know this a that's why I love what you said about all students i mean my white students still to this day love me and say I was their best professor yeah stem and stem uh education you know at, at, at the at the college level it's messed up by everybody. I mean, right. it, it strips the soul out of everybody. It's just that some people are better prepared to make it through its soulless. And people like you bring back that soul, that human side. I keep saying we're human beings, so right. we're human doers. Right. Engineering education is set up just to create doers. And what Spellman did for it, for us was that it took care of our being.
0: Right. And I, I think you're right. And I think sometimes, you know, I, I tell my freshmen about this is, what is an engineer? It's about more than math and science. It's about designing solutions and problems to make the world a better place. The human is in the loop, whether you wanna be a biomedical engineer or electrical engineer. And we're sometimes using that in this gatekeeping and this weeding out through physics and calculus and all of that. It's about a human being that wants to change the world. And if that's what you wanna do, I can get you through calculus. If you have that passion, that determination, that diligence, I'll get you to physics and calculus. But you can't use that human aspect of engineering and make it so sterile that it runs people away, in particular, those marginalized and minoritized people who may have picked it because they want to change society or make their place mm-hmm. a better place.
1: Dr. Bear, I want to I know more about the Black and X movement. And okay. is there a role for STEM professionals like yourself, Dr. Mackey and others in that movement?
0: Absolutely, the whole reason it was started, it was started because of number one, the George Floyd killing was was what brought attention to it. And then the Black Bird Watcher in Central Park, Christian Cooper Mm -hmm. was um, um, racially profiled and had the cops called on him by Amy Cooper, no relation. And after that, um, Black Birders Week was founded. And that's kind of the birth of the Black and X movement. Although there were other organizations like Black and STEM, that Vanguard and STEM that had been around for many years, and it became an explosion of all of these black academics and STEM professionals and you know others who really wanted to support each other. We are so isolated, like one here in Indiana, one in Michigan, one in Tulane, that it was a way for us to come together on social media and amplify our work. And so the Black and X movement is now this umbrella term that we use for all these, not only this black and STEM, but black and STEAM. We have black and swimming black and disabled in higher education. So it's not just STEM anymore. We call it X, extracurricular, sports and all of that. And we had a conference this year and we do these things to support each other now to increase our visibility because we're using the internet as a normalizer so that people can see and we can't have people saying anymore, I couldn't find a black engineering professor to recruit. Well, that's a lie because you could go to Twitter and probably find a hundred right now. So there should be no more of that. We're just unicorns. We don't know where they are and and we're hidden. We're now visible figures. And social media has brought us together, but having a platform, having a call to action, speaking to some of the ways that we can be supported. Some things black in engineering have even talked about is having like cohort hiring, right? Looking at not recruiting one black person to the university, but maybe a team of two or three. So they are feeling supported and not treated as trailblazers and. You know are pioneers and having to go through some of those negative things because they're coming together as a cohort
2: yeah. it was uh, I, I was in his twitter exchange and i you know i want to send prayers out to dr mark lamont hill uh, Lamont hill he went to yeah. uh he went to moral too i mean he's having some health challenges and I saw but he that. was on he was on twitter the other day and he said you know getting a phd is easier than you know becoming a football player you know and and, and so everybody was coming i was like ah I don't know, bro, you might want to quantify that because, right. you know, every year there's about 300, you know, young men drafted. And I, right. I don't know, this, this, Ken, this is something about us. When you're black in engineering, with PhD, you know, your number, right? Mm-hmm. I, I know my number. I know in 1996, I was one of 11 uh, blacks that got a PhD in mechanical engineering. And, wow. and so when people start looking at the numbers, they say it'll take another 200 years to just even get one professor, you know, at, at, at you know, in every department and, at, you know, in, in the 330-something engineering schools uh, mm-hmm. in the country. So the innovative ideas that social media has allowed people like Dr. Barry and her friends to create, you know, I'm begging them to let me in and all. So that's why I had to bring her here. So, dude, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> you know, I want to be... I won't be in a not black enough. and
0: ex-movement, I'm black and I got an ex, you know what I mean? you wanted the cool kids. The, the problem <laughs> we're having is, is that the movement is continuing, but because a lot of us are in academia, it's really hard because you got to chase that holy grail of tenure and retention. So we do things, but probably not as impactful as we could be because everybody is somewhere along that pipeline you just mentioned. If you're tenured, you're trying to get to associate, you're trying to get to school, you're trying to get to dean, or you're trying to get tenured. So we're doing things and you are a member because you're black and an engineer. You part of us, is that we can only move how we can move because everybody still has to pay bills. You know, there you so go. you are doing it. If you gotta you gotta please both masters at the same time, unfortunately.
2: And that's what you said. I mean, you you said a mouthful, and that's why we gotta understand we're separate as the fingers, but as whole as the hand, as Booker T. Washington said. And mm-hmm. it just can't be blacks in the academy, right? We gotta find blacks in, in corporate America. We gotta find blacks just out here running a mouth like me, and bring yeah. us all together. Absolutely. So that so that we can support each other inside and inside and out. You know, I count it a blessing to have yeah. been in the academy, got tossed out, and yeah, I'll never forget being at LSU, and it was this big meeting about black males, and this it's, uh, this dean or something showed up from Louisville, and he it was talking about the the dirt of. Black engineering faculties, and, and the, the guy was like, "You know, you know how hard they are to find. You can't find them." And I'm sitting there, and everybody going, uh, "Cause I'm like, here I am. You know, I left five million dollars. I left five million dollars in research at, at 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 Tulane. There's not a school. I mean, two schools called me about possibly for a job, and one was Tuskegee, and one was my friend up at uh, Syracuse. But nah."
0: Yeah, nah,
1: I, I
2: raised my hand. I said, "You got one right here, man."
0: Yeah, you know, you sound like you sound like Dr. Monica Cox. I talk to her about this all the time, and about whether your impact is going to be outside the academy or inside the academy, and can we be on both sides fighting the same battle? I talk mm-hmm. to and, her.
2: And, yeah. and we're gonna have Monica Cox on STEM Global Action podcast. Let's yes. let's talk STEM because she has an amazing story to tell. Absolutely. And I, I, and I continue to encourage her. <laughs> Because right. I've, walk, I've walked that path. Right. You know, and, I, and I've walked that path. Ain't too many people just walked away from the academy, right? Because you mm-hmm. say, we got to pay bills. People keep saying, Mackie, wow, you just turned your back on it. And I said, I realized the solution that I was seeking mm-hmm. not is not in those buildings. is in those right. streets. And that's why we got to get together and continue Absolutely. to fight the battle together.
0: And that is actually the model for my business. My STEM is for the streets. I think once I got to full professor, I had to take this knowledge I have in the ivory and take it to the streets because I wasn't touching the, all the populations I needed to touch just by doing it in the classroom.
1: no my STEM is for the streets. Yes. That's it. And, yeah. and
2: that's, that's what I expect out of our friends at these positions, all right?
1: Right.
2: You understand, like... We've created a model now for STEM NOLA. We've created a credit to career pipeline model. So mm-hmm. I don't wanna hear that you're a president or you're a dean and there, and there are no solutions. No, you choose not to uh, uh, look at solutions. You may be afraid and understand that, but I am I am letting them know that you no longer can say that they're not a solution. You right. no longer can say that there, there's a model. And instead come coming right. to me talking about, let's pilot. I said, we've engaged nearly a hundred thousand kids. What are you going to pilot? This is nothing else to study. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we got to free ourselves from those institutions that otherwise control the person and make us go in a certain way and away from the passions and the desires of our hearts.
0: Right. And don't waste my time. Right. If I tell you I have a pathway, right, don't don't ask me to do pilots and collect data. Just give me the funding and let me do what I do. Because yeah, that's what they, that's right. what they came
2: and said. They said, "If you evaluate your program, we might give you some money." I said, "How about I give you some money not to come back and talk to me?" I mean, <laughs> if you got all the money, do not you come evaluated? Don't I'm not going to use my money to take programming yeah. dollars off the table from right. the kids to prove to you that it's working right. when the kids in the community know that it's working. Yeah. And, and those, are, you know, and getting back to our friend, that's why we got to have voices. We got to have whisperers. in this movement to call, you know, to call what is, is and not be afraid of the ramifications.
0: (laughs) I think the ivory tower is very stagnant and slow to change and they keep doing what they've always done with definition of insanity and they're wondering why they're not getting different results. I'm trying to show you a different way and you still don't want to hear it. You
1: guys, just to wrap up, uh, how do you all stay excited for the future of young people in STEM education and careers? What keeps you going?
0: For me, it's them. I love it, especially the work I'm doing with Black and Robotics right now. It was so hard for me. I do these workshops and I advertise and then mostly non-Black kids show up. Um, Kids of professors show up, kids of engineers show up. So I try to do some non-traditional things at the time by recruiting on Twitter, on Facebook, getting Mm -hmm. relatives' kids, going through some of the alumni networks at HBCUs, Spelman, Morehouse, et cetera. And I finally had some black and brown kids show up, um, and it was just so exciting to see them being able to do things that I've been giving to other kids for years, and they could do it. And seeing that light turn on, so that's what inspires me is when I hey. give back and I can hey. see it in them. Dr. Mackey,
1: we'll let you have the
2: last word. In the 21st century, our children are going to have only one or three options: either they're going to take something, break something, into or make something. If we don't give them the skills and education. And the inspiration and a motivation to make something like make a living make a life make a difference that's only going to leave them with the two options that we see on the news every night dr barry we have up to upward of 100 to 200 people showing up and for our events consistently and that's part of the solution that's them global actions that has brought to the table that, that institutions and people like yourself can use because like you say we are you know, you're in there, you're doing your research, you're trying to take care of your responsibility because that's who you are. And it, it's gonna take other people to come up with solutions to make sure that your impact can be spread to where it need, need to be spread. My daddy taught me, you can't shake the tree and rake the leaves, son. You shake the trees, I'm gonna rake these leaves and we're gonna make some jelly that we can spread to kids all over this country. That's my promise to you and that's what keep me excited Because our communities need us
0: and we need them. I like to say um, we have to teach kids to be creators, not just consumers of technology. They over there sitting on a video game all day, show them how to make a video game, create a video game.
1: Very good. Very good. Thank you. Thank Thank you you. so much, Dr. Barry, for coming by and talking STEM with us. That's what we do here. We like to talk STEM.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mackey. Thank you, Tonya.
1: thank you, sir. And thank Thank you you all for joining us for this latest episode of Let's Talk STEM. Come back and see us soon.
0: You've been listening to a STEM Global Action podcast. Through our STEM-based programming, we put students on a path towards quality jobs in science, technology, engineering, and math. Visit us at www.stemglobalaction.com. Until next time, let's keep talking STEM.